Hey guys, what's happening? It's me, Gymnastic. Before we get into tonight's episode, I got an exciting announcement to make. The Gold Jacket Podcast has got the last spot in the Canadian National Best Ball Championship to give away to one lucky listener. It's the first of its kind in Canada. It's the inaugural season. And you have a shot to play with the best fantasy footballers in the nation. It's two conferences, 32 teams, 25 crazy roster spots, but only one champion. Organized by fellow True North fantasy footballer and overall good guy Will Harris, 100% of the proceeds of this league go to charity. That's right. You pick the charity that you're going to represent, and if you win, that charity gets 100% of the winnings. You're playing for pride and honor here, boys. The first the first conference, the Gord Downey Conference, that Connor and I are proud members of, filled up in less than six hours once the, once the spots were opened up. And now the second conference has opened up by popular demand, the Jim Leahy Conference, and that filled up just as fast. But my boy Will... Thankfully, kept two spots available. One for us, the Gold Jacket Podcast, and one for our boys at the True North Fantasy Football Podcast to give away to one lucky listener. So, how do you get into this, you're asking? Well, it's simple. Since this is a Trailer Park Boys-themed conference, I got an easy thing to do. You're going to DM your boy, Gold Jacket QBs, on Twitter and answer this question. Who is the most famous guest appearance on the Trailer Park Boys today you give me that answer you get put in for a draw winner will be announced on friday on twitter get at it boys thanks a lot this is a beginning point this is the beginning of the rest of my life I got the meaning, and I got to write it down, because I don't want to forget it. Just win, baby. All right, and uh, welcome back to the Gold Jacket Podcast with me, your host, Gymnastic, and as always, my co-host, Connor. Connor, how you been, buddy? I have been great. We had the week off last week because... Uh... I, I was buying a mower and you guys were all taking care of your kids. So <laughs> I guess I don't have the excitement of a kid yet, but I have the excitement of a new mower that I used today. So I was having a blast. Nice. I uh, I dropped a little bit of coin on a new mower myself. Didn't want to, but uh, definitely had to do it. I'm pretty <laughs> pumped. Yeah, we, we had a break from last week and uh, we're back at it. We're breaking down the NFC South and we got a special guest with us today. Uh, I want to introduce him now. His name is Drake. He's got a sweet new podcast coming out. Drake, you want to tell the people about yourself? Yeah, hey, I just want to thank you both uh, very much for having me. My name is Drake. You can find me on Twitter at DrakePFSA or at HearMeOutFB. HearMeOut's a new podcast I'm starting. I'll have a website as well. I have um, a fun new shirt for a, a group of players we'll be talking about in the NFC South uh, out of Tampa Bay. So I, I have a lot that I'm really trying to make happen, and it's all happened very fast. So, again, I'm just excited to roll out Hear Me Out, the brand, the podcast. I have some big guests coming on the podcast when that rolls out here within the next couple of weeks, and I have some great sponsors and um, some awesome giveaways. I actually just got <clears throat> a former uh, Buccaneer that is now with the 49ers, but I, I just got some free 
uh, signed memorabilia from one of my sponsors in RSA, uh, Rochester Sports Authenticators, and they gave me a Quan Alexander signed jersey, uh, amongst other things. Tyreek Hill, Quan Alexander. I think I got a mini helmet of J- uh, Ben Coates, Javon Curse, and some uh, other signed jerseys. So no, it's it's been great. It's all been happening very fast and uh, you know again just thank y'all very very much for having me on here i'm excited to be here <clears throat> that's awesome man we're uh, definitely excited to have you and uh with that we're going to remind the listeners that when we're ranking these positional groups they are going you want the lowest number lowest to highest uh you just like golf you don't want a double bogey you want to uh you want a hole in one that sucker so with that, let's uh, let's jump right into it with uh, the quarterback, or sorry, with the running back position. Uh, we'll start with you, Connor. How do you got him ranked? Well, number one, I think, is the easiest one in all of uh, the NFL. It's Carolina. Got to go with <laughs> Christian McCaffrey. Um, I don't really need to say any further <clears throat> much, but like he's a PPR monster, man. He averaged 18 carries and nine targets per game on a team that ranked 24th in run plays per game this year. So the fact that you can get that volume while being in the bottom third of the league as far as running plays and in passing plays, we were definitely ranked a little bit higher because of the negative run script. But the fact that you get nine targets as a running back as well is ridiculous. Ridiculous that that amount of volume people loved him people fell in love with him um, And he averaged just under 150 yards per game, which is ridiculous to think about like he had one of the single best uh, PPR seasons this past season um, So I mean you cannot go and it doesn't matter who's behind him. You gotta pick CMC It doesn't matter. He 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 trumps any other running back any any other committee anything he trumps them all. He he's an incredible fantasy asset to have, and I wish I had him in some leagues, but I do not. And uh, the asking price right now is uh, way way too rich for me. I'd have to mortgage my future and my future son for CMC shares, and that just ain't happening. Um, number two, Alvin Kamara. This is a guy I have a lot of shares in. New Orleans and Alvin Kamara. Uh, last season, he struggled with an ankle sprain for much of the season. Was he 100% for most of the 15 games he played? I highly doubt it. Um, but he still managed 9 out of 15 games as an RB20 or better. Uh, he ended up finishing as the running back 9 in PPR, and he averaged 12 carries and 7 targets per game. So that makes him a really great uh, PPR asset as well. Um Unfortunately, he only had four goal line carries, so I'm hoping to see more goal line and red zone work for Alvin Kamara this year. Um, and uh, he only had six touchdowns, so I'm hoping that there's some some progression, some positive progression in the red zone and in the touchdown department because that could really make Alvin Kamara really sets him apart from being like top five to ten to being top five for sure i mean for me he's definitely top five but for others it can be up for debate because of that touchdown those touchdown numbers and the red zone touches they're just not there like with some other people um and i mean for me ty montgomery is actually an interesting one he's a speculative ad if he can carve out a role more as a wide receiver three i think um if they decide to use him more in the passing game um and you could get him late, even potentially undrafted. And Lat Murray would strictly be a handcuff if Alvin Kamara's ankle issues persist. Um, but hopefully for my Alvin Kamara shares, that doesn't. Um, 
three, this division is nuts for running backs, honestly. At number three, Todd Gurley. And I absolutely love Todd Gurley. I've been defending him on Twitter. Um, He's a year-to-year option. And if you can get him cheap or even at his ADP, he's going as a running back 33. He's behind Coleman and Mostert and just before James White right now in Dynasty. So if you can even get him at that ADP, that's a steal of an ADP. And like... I love Todd Gurley, and I'll pay for him, and I know that I will be stuck with him, and he's going to be running to the ground by one of these teams in the coming years, um, if not starting this year with Atlanta. Um, But he's been a touchdown and red zone monster, and there is a massive opportunity in Atlanta because they are losing a the a lion's share of the red zone work with Austin Hooper out of town. Um, he was number three. Tall Gurley was number three in red zone touches last year, almost four per game. And he was number five in touchdowns with 14, which he continues to always have ridiculous amounts amount of touchdowns year over year. Nine of his 15 games, he was at the RB 25 or better. He has five seasons in, and he's only one season where he's had less than 10 touchdowns. So the hate and the disrespect that he's getting is completely unwarranted. I get the arthritis in the knee. I understand that his fantasy value will drop year over year, and you understand that when you buy him or when you get him. But that's a beast of a PPR uh, player to have, uh, running back to have, especially at the value you can get him at. Um and like I said, he walks in there an amazing opportunity with tons of red zone work being lost in Austin Hooper and the clear cut RB1 with Freeman out and Ito Smith and Kadri Olison being the alternative options. And finally, Tampa Bay, which is the most talked about yet the most volatile running back situation in probably all of football right now. The Keyshawn Vaughn truthers versus the Ronald Jones truthers. It is a, a ridiculous argument that I continue to watch. I think Jones is being completely disrespected and underappreciated. And I think Keyshawn Vaughn is getting a little, little too much hype. Um, I think my advice is if you own one, I think you have to own the two of them. They're, they're, they're direct handcuffs. They're the direct correlators to each other. If one's not doing well, the other might be doing well. Or if they're both doing poorly, well, then you invested poorly. Um but Tampa Bay likes Jones, and I think they're going to give him every chance to win this role. He's only He isn't even 23 yet. He's just shy of 23, and he's already got the two years of NFL experience. Keyshawn Vaughn walks into the NFL at the age of 23 with no NFL experience whatsoever. Um, he actually only had 37% snap share, which was good for 52nd among running backs, and he was 33rd in opportunity share. So I think there's a lot more that Bruce Aarons can give Jones if he wants to actually give Jones a true opportunity and a true chance. Um, And like I said, Vaughn enters the league at the age of 23, and I think he'll play more of a change of pace role. Um, I actually compare him to the James White in this situation with Tom Brady coming in. Uh, Ronald Jones's passing game isn't necessarily great or polished. Keyshawn Vaughn's isn't necessarily great or polished either, but I think it's a little bit better than Ronald Jones. Um, but Tom, uh, Tom Brady targeted his running backs the fourth most last year at on 28% of uh, targets, so uh, of passing down targets. So um, definitely would, uh, my advice is if you own one, you should probably own them both. I think it's a good opportunity to own them both and see what you can get. I'm in a few leagues where people own both of them, and I think it's actually a smart strategy to do. That's how I got my running backs. 
Yeah, um, that's exactly how I have him ranked. So let's just move on. No, no, I'm kidding. I'll, <laughs> I'll talk a little bit about him. I, I did like your point. Uh, just you know, real quick before I get into mine, you know, the Vaughn Jones um, dual handcuff owning them both. That that is spot on with what you're seeing because I actually did the same thing in one of my dynasty leagues. I was, um, I was fortunate. I was able to draft Keyshawn like two as a twelve person. Dynasty was able to draft him like 2-2, and I um, also picked up Jones for a uh, Jones and a future second for like a 2-3 and three as well. So I did handcuff them, and then uh, I actually traded them uh, shortly after I got them both because I felt like I got good value. <laughs> no doubt, no doubt. It's not a bad time. If, if someone's <clears throat> buying the hype, sell sell away, sell away. Well, it, it was an interesting trade, and just real quick. So what it was is I had, again, I had Jones and Vaughn, but I also had Burrow. Um, but I felt pretty good with my quarterbacks at the time, which was Josh Allen. And, uh, well, I guess this is part of the quarterback. Here's the here's the deal. So I sent uh, Ronald Jones, Darius Slayton, Joe Burrow, and Keyshawn Vaughn in a 2021 second for a 2021 first, and it's the second first are the same guy, so it's just a, a flip there. Uh, Gardner Minshew, DJ Chark, and Kareem Hunt. So that was my trade because, like you, I just – they're going to give Jones a chance, and I'm just curious to see if they're taking Vaughn and they're giving Jones a chance. I don't want to be the guy that has to worry about that week-to-week decision, whereas Kareem Hunt, you know, he, he, he was very effective uh, as, as a PPR guy, even with limited touches, so – Sorry, I don't, mean to, I don't mean to digress there. I'll get back into what we need to talk about. <laughs> I just wanted to ask, what was that What was that other piece in that trade you got? You got Minshew, Hunt, and who? Shark. Oh, yeah, I like that. That's yeah, a- so I got Hunt, Shark, Minshew, and a 2021 first. And this guy, he's probably going to be middle of the pack like I am. And I gave up the Jones and Vaughn package and then Slayton and then Joe Burrow, which that could come back to bite me, obviously. But I already had Josh Allen, and it's a super flex. And I already had Josh Allen, so... I felt okay with having Minshew as my QB two and Allen as my one. Where, you know, people dog Allen for not being the best uh, real NFL quarterback, but for fantasy purposes, he um, has shown he can do a very good job. So, yeah, that was that was a fun trade in that league too. I'm trying to pull like the the Thanos gauntlet of draft picks here. I have nine of twelve first rounders. I took over the orphan about three weeks ago. So. That kind of ties into Jim my Jim loves that. Jim oh, loves yeah. that. Well, no, hey, hey, Jim, uh, speaking of you loving trades, accept my other trade there, buddy. And, uh, oh, and, uh, yeah, I'm looking at it. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I sent Jim a trade in, one, in uh, this insane league we are in. Like, it is nuts. Jim, is it not crazy, the, the triple flex league? Yeah, it's nuts. How many quarterbacks? <laughs> I don't even have that many quarterbacks. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I don't even know who I have. Um, but, no, point is, is that it's a triple flex up to three QB, but then you still have a full eight-person IDP flex roster as well. It, it is just insane. Oh, wow. I mean, I'm talking Jameis Winston went before Juju Smith-Schuster. Jesus. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> yeah, it's fun. Um, but no, anyways, uh, let's get back into this. So NFC South, for me, um, again, following that up, you hit everything on the head. I'll just go in order of what I have first. I have CMC and the Panthers at one. Um, just like you touched on with CMC, he is an absolute monster. Put it this way, pulling up his point total, his average point total last year in PPR, the next closest in the top 10 was Dalvin Cook at 20.9 fantasy points per game in PPR. Christian McCaffrey at 29.5. He had 10 more points than the next closest, which was Aaron Jones. And then 
Another 10 more than Zeke, 10 more than Eckler, 10 more than Henry. He had 10 more points per game. And when you're looking at matchups week to week in terms of how close they're going to be in a PPR uh, league, I mean, obviously, everyone everyone that won probably had him. But maybe there's some that weren't. But my goodness, like 10 points more per per average. It, it, that That is simply incredible. Mm-hmm. And even with Bridgewater there, I, I still have him at a healthy target share. Let me get back to that. I have him at... Just a hair under last year, I have him at 21% target share, 121 targets, 97 receptions, looking at 774 and 4. And then rushing, looking at about 1,200 yards and uh, close to 10 touchdowns. So obviously not as big as um, the year, bo- uh, year before, but it's still going to be very, very close. He's still going to be the RB1. And I saw a great quote earlier. If you uh, if someone tries to say he's not the number one pick, well, they're just wrong. So... <laughs> um, <laughs> Next is uh, Alvin Kamara and Latavius Murray um, with the Saints. That is a great, great one-two punch. The, the biggest thing for me that I've seen and, and people have talked about is Kamara himself even said that he was not 100% last year, and, and you could see it, and he missed some time. But then to add to that, too, just to show how effective that team is and how um, how good of a punch Murray can be, you know, sitting waiting to take the reins when needed, in Murray's two games that he played that Kamara was not in, he was the RB1 in those two weeks. He was the RB1. And so it just is a testament to how good that Saints team is. As you touched with how good Drew Brees is, how good, how fluid that team is. And I, I think Kamara has a very, very good chance to bounce back highly, even though he's already considered a top four, top five RB. You can very easily expect him to bounce back from his um, from his RB9 spot last year and look for him to increase that and again murray being that handcuffed even that that flex play at times if, if you need to squeeze someone in there it, it, it is it is an excellent excellent one-two punch one of the best in the nfl uh number three todd Gurley, and, and it's as you said it's so deep because todd Gurley on a top five offense um arguably number one offense terrible defense and again that defense is going to be terrible They're, they reach for cj in the first round this year as a cornerback to try and you know, give themselves another uh, another cornerback one. That defense is still going to take time. It just they're in a division that is so strong offensively, especially with Brady coming in out of Tampa, uh, and Winston was already throwing up huge numbers anyways, even though he was throwing up points for both teams. It's just it's just one of those where, again, Gurley is in an absolutely fabulous spot. Bad knees and all, whatever you want to call it, he he still was effective. He was he was okay last year. Obviously, he was the uh, RB14, but with Atlanta this year, I have him pulling it up now. Excuse me. I have him with a very healthy target share of 15%. Uh, that puts him at 96 targets. Now, this is all subject to change, but 96 targets, 72 receptions. I don't think Smith and uh, Olison are going to get anything much behind him, but I have him at 656 receiving yards, five touchdowns. Almost a thousand rush yards and uh, close to double digits in rush TDs. But the big thing is that Hooper has gone from that red zone and gone from that team. But red zone wise, that is big. That is big time. Gurley is going to be great in short yardage situations. He's going to pound that ball in there. And nine TDs almost feels like a four as I'm reading it. So uh, very excited for Todd Gurley with the Atlanta offense as long as he can stay healthy. I didn't account for any for him missing any games at all. But um, at, at the same time, if, if he does miss one or two, um, not the end of the world there. But to me, he has. He has RB top 10 upside easy, and he very well for this season could push, could push for 
top five in a PPR league. So, um, and then last and least, but not least again, it's it's the Buccaneers, and it's strictly because of that timeshare. Brady's coming. That's going to be uh, nice for for uh, for dump off passes to running backs. You know, uh, I think you mentioned how effective he was there, and obviously he's been feeding White and uh, Burkhead and. Uh, making our decision-making a terrible process for uh, <laughs> who to start RB-wise. But I just think that Tampa, as you pointed out, they, they do like Jones, but they they drafted Vaughn and age-wise and capital-wise. There's still a lot to be said about Jones and Vaughn. I just I don't want to worry about that week-to-week unless someone just really shines at the top, and I, I just don't think that's going to happen. I, I, and it's Just watching Jones last year, too, Jones, he had some bad games, but then he had some games where it's just like, Hey, hey, he, he's looking really good. And then there was this games where he, he didn't do anything. And and I worry that's going to be the case here. He's going to show out a couple games. He's going to push Vaughn's carries back. Well, then he's going to stink it up a couple games. Vaughn's going to push for more carries. I have them at a 50-40 timeshare with rushing and uh, 8% and 5% share in receiving. Just because, again, I don't, I'm not confident putting one over the other. So that's why I have them at the bottom of the bunch there. Yeah, that totally makes sense. Um <laughs> Like I said, I have them ranked pretty much exactly as Connor and you do. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm not really going to touch over a lot of things. I'm just going to go over a couple of things I looked over, uh, obviously, about CMC. I just wanted to point out that maybe people don't realize that uh, he was actually the third ever uh, running back with the 1,000-1,000 club in NFL history. So, like, mm-hmm. that, like it's pretty exclusive. It was, like, Roger Craig and Marshall Falk. Wow. Uh, yeah, it's crazy. And he's the first, he's actually the first ever running back, as, as Connor alluded to, he's a PPR monster. Mm-hmm. He's the first running back ever with 100-plus receptions in back-to-back seasons. He broke uh-huh. the record with 107, and then he shattered it again last year with 116. Wow. Crazy. That is crazy. So, like, that's that's pretty much all I always want to touch about for uh, CMC, because uh, I thought those were some pretty crazy uh pretty crazy stats when I was coming across them. But like I said, I got them ranked the exact same thing as you guys. And it's one, two, three, four, uh, Panthers, Saints, Falcons, and Bucks. Uh, I don't like to disrespect the girlies getting in the ADP, but like, again, in the fourth, fifth round, smash them all day. Like exactly. That's, mm-hmm. that's my RB one. It's crazy. He's a young question starter and he's still 25 years old. So like, it's not like he's 29. He's getting treated like he's Frank Gore, 32. Like, you know what I mean? Like it's it's unbelievable. So, <laughs> but that that's just me. Uh, we'll we'll keep her we'll, we'll keep her moving right along there with uh with an expositional group. I'll let I'll let Drake take the t- take the lead with that one if you if you want, buddy. Yeah, we'll, yeah. Uh, uh, you want me to jump on the wide receivers there? Yeah, yeah. We'll okay, great. So yeah, um, wide receivers. Now again, this is for the team totality. I have. Chris Godwin and Mike Evans out of Tampa. Now, with this one, I have seen a lot of people say that uh, they are worried about Mike Evans' value overall just because of um, of Brady's 42. He's not going to be chucking the ball deep downfield like Winston would. But at the same time, that that hasn't been a problem. I don't have the exact number in front of me. But don't be surprised. 20 yards and out, Evans is still going to get his share. They are going to be completely fine. Last year, they were the um, – where is it at? Oh, yeah, Godwin was two, Evans was 15, and that was because Winston, for the life of him, couldn't have them both hitting on one game. It was always Evans went for 40, Godwin went for 12, or Godwin went for 35, and Evans went for 7. I don't think that's going to be the issue with Brady this year. I I, I think uh, the Buccaneers' defense is better, and I'll touch on that in a second, but I think overall uh, Brady is going to feed them and feed them well. I actually have them ranking-wise. I have them, I'm sorry, uh, share-wise. 
I have Mike Evans at a 23% share and Chris Godwin at a 27% share, which is uh, 131 targets and 72 catches for Evans with 1,116 yards and uh, right at about 10 touchdowns. And he usually does uh, well with, with, with a touchdown share there. Then I have Chris Godwin, 154 targets, 108 receptions, 1,344 yards and six touchdowns. And then again, I, I think they are, they are going to carry the load. But one thing I do want to touch on that it won't it won't affect how I feel about them as a grouping but what would not surprise me in the slightest is the rankings for the for the defense for the Buccaneers that that Buccaneers defense is quietly improving um I briefly saw an article about last week about it from Mike Clay but I'm actually looking at some notes I found from scout.com the last four games defensively and it and it wasn't uh, gimme games. It was like the Falcons, the Colts, the uh, Falcons, Colts, and two others. But my point is the last four games defensively for the Buccaneers, they they were 18th in points per games at, at 25.8, so not the greatest. But touchdowns per play, they were fifth, allowing 2.7%. Yards per play at 4.9%, which was sixth. Pass yards, 15th. Yards per attempt, 6.2, which was seventh. Here's the fun one. On the rushing side of the ball, which they were good last year the entire season, but specifically at the end of the year. Rush yards per game, 66, number one. Yards per carry, 2.8, number one. Turnovers per game, seventh in the league at almost two turnovers per game. So that defense, expect them to continue to improve. And what I think it's going to do is it's, while I'm still seeing a heavy target share with Evans and Godwin, do not be shocked in the slightest if this team does not have to be as reliant on a Let's come back from 15 down because Jameis two three interceptions. It, it, it may not be like that this year. They're going to have a stronger defense, and Tom Brady is a safer quarterback. And, um, again, do not be shocked, and I don't have it in there, but do not be shocked if the ball is ran more uh, for the Buccaneers because they are in the lead and they have a better defense to back them up. Next, I have uh, Michael Thomas and Emmanuel Sanders for the Saints. Now, it, it's tough because you have Julio and Ridley, but, again, my, what Michael Thomas is doing with Drew Brees and what that team is doing as a whole, and don't sleep on Emmanuel Sanders it is my whole point there. Emmanuel Sanders, just like Thomas, Sanders doesn't have the speed that he had like like he used to, but but that is perfectly fine. He has hands. He can catch the ball very well. Brees is going to feed Thomas and Sanders and, and Kamara, but again, wide receiver group-wise, I have them just ahead of Jones and Ridley because Mike Thomas is um, – he, he, he's absolutely amazing. And right now, next to, I'd say, we talked about this offer. Julio could very much still be considered the wide receiver one for football. But I, I just think Mike Thomas and just what he did and what he's able to do with that team and his role for that team is unstoppable. It's absolutely unstoppable. And I, I, I think Sanders is going to be a quiet surprise uh, for that team as well. And then number three, I have Julio Jones and Calvin Ridley uh, with the Falcons. I had a nice uh, story with Ridley last night. I have him uh, pushing for wide receiver 12 next year. Um, let me pull that up, actually. I have him pushing for a wide receiver 12 this year, this coming season, with a 20% target share and Julio Jones getting a 25% target share. And so for them, I, I think this is Ridley, Ridley's year that he's going to break out. Without without Austin Hooper and Mohamed Sanu, and now it was a small sample size, it was like three games, he was like the wide receiver six, I think. Or no, not, I'm sorry. He averaged 22.7 points per game and was like the wide receiver six or eight. But point is, is that without those two, Hayden Hurst isn't going to come in and put up Austin Hooper numbers. 
I think Ridley has a very, very strong chance to come in as a wide receiver 12. I think Julio is going to com- comfortably come in um, with 160 targets and 100-plus receptions again. So, uh, yeah, I, like I said, I, ha- I have them very, very high. I think Gurley uh, eats up some targets. Now, Freeman had 70 targets last year. You you may, you may not think that and realize that Devontae Freeman, who was garbage last year, he had 70 targets. But I, I do have Gurley a bit higher, so he'll eat into that just a hair. Uh, but I think that hurts more Russell Gage and obviously Hayden Hurst not being as effective as Hooper. So I have them three, but honestly, two and three, you can probably, I mean, even hearing myself talk, I could probably flip uh, flip the Falcons and Saints. But for the sake of having it there, I'll, I'll defend it and leave it there. But neck and neck, call it 2A, 2B almost. And then number four, it's shocking to even say this because they're fourth because it's DJ Moore. D- I mean, mm. DJ, DJ Moore is 23. He's still very young. Curtis Samuels right there with him. And then bring in Robbie Anderson, who is going to just continue to spread that field for Tay Bridgewater, who I don't think is getting lost a little bit, but I have them at four just because CMC is is a as we've discussed, is, is an absolute monster. He's going to lead the team in receptions, but DJ Moore is going to be phenomenal as well. Uh, I I think he's poised for um was wide receiver 16 last year. I, I think he very well could surpass that. He was only seven points out of top 12. There's no reason he he, he can't get top 10 this year and see 250 fantasy points with an extra couple touchdowns, extra 100 yards receiving. And, um, you know, versus the quarterback situation they had last year and what Bridgewater can do, can do. And, you know, what what his five-game sample size was nine touchdowns to two interceptions. I, I think it, um, they're going to be very exciting to watch. I just think as a whole, other offenses in front of them, um, I just, you know, they're fourth, and there's no real argument you can make there. You're not putting DJ Moore or Leo Thomas or Godwin or Evans. You're just not. So, yeah, there's no chance I'm putting DJ Moore above any of those guys. Uh, yep. Yeah. I can't dispute it. I guess I could a little bit because I don't have them ranked that way, but I had a really hard time ranking these wide receivers, and I kind of. Mm-hmm kind of took the uh, easy way out by going like a 1A, 1B situation. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> that was just me. But uh, like, uh, uh, but I'll let, I'll let Connor, because he's probably a little bit more detailed in, in his reasoning on why he has them the way he has them. As opposed I'm to me. So I'll, Connor has to say. I'll let yeah, this, yeah th- this, this gets interesting. I, um, so for me, I put Atlanta at number one. Um <laughs> Big, big reason for me, they're the number one team, and I don't see a change in pass plays per game. There is just so much there from a PPR perspective. So many targets. Um, for, so for me, like I, if you could, I would take Jones and Ridley over Thomas and Sanders because you, they're just... Joe Ridley's the must own. Apparently he's a must own guy. I don't own any shares of him and it's okay because the price is getting pretty crazy and stuff. It is. Yep. Yeah. So I'm just like, no, no, no. You you guys can all go and have fun with that. I do have some Julio Jones shares and I'm happy to have those shares. And people are like, well, he's 33 years old, you know? Well, some receivers can go forever and look at Julio Jones. There's no sign of him slowing down and he's 33 years old. Julio was number two in targets last year. Number one in target distance. The only thing that I want to see more from him, and year over year, it's the same frustrating thing with him, more touchdowns. For some reason, he can do everything in open (laughs) field, but he cannot find that end zone. He has six straight, and this this blew my mind when I was looking at the sets, six straight 1,300-yard seasons. Mm -hmm. That is unheard of. That's absurd. 
And then he's also in those six straight seasons had over 125 targets. So with Matt Ryan throwing the ball, the the volume is there. The yards are there. He's been a top 10 wide receiver in fantasy for those six straight seasons. And that is absolutely not going to change this season, no matter what comes of Calvin Ridley. Um, Calvin Ridley. Now, this is an interesting point. You you said he was going to be your wide receiver 12. He has a chance to be your wide receiver 12 this year. Mm-hmm. I actually broke down if he did not miss any time this season. I think he missed, what, two games, three games, three games. Yeah. Um, and he ended up finishing the wide receiver 27. If you take into account all of his averages and then work out a the PPR numbers, he would have been the wide receiver 12 if he played all 16 games <laughs> and maintained that average. There you so go. I, I found that super interesting when you said that. I was like, oh, I looked that up. Or I did this math. That's cool. Um, he does have two straight 90 target seasons, which is really good. But like I said, with Matt, with Matty Ice, you know, he throws the ball like like it's nobody's business. Um, he does have seven plus touchdowns in both seasons, but he has yet to achieve a thousand yards, which is kind of frustrating. He probably would have achieved it if not for missing three games this past season. But if Ridley did play all 16 games... His uh, final PPR numbers would have been 237.6 points, which would have been good for the wide receiver 12 spot, just surpassing Jarvis Landry. Mm -hmm. Um, Almost all the red zone work is available and up for grabs. Like we were talking about, Russell Gage and Austin Hooper were the top two red zone producers. I think Gage was targeted 11 times and Hooper was targeted like 15 or 16. Hooper was targeted a ton. Mm -hmm. And... Frustratingly enough for Ridley owners, Ridley was not targeted at all in the red zone last season. So if that, if he can get a bit of that red zone target share, yes, he can absolutely be a wide receiver 12, if not really be infringing on a wide receiver taught like into the top 10. Um, for me, Gage would be a deep, deep sleeper, but like you, like you can get him dirt cheap and potentially even undrafted, but he'd have to definitely show that he's there for that red zone work. Um, but like like we've been saying, it's going to be tough to do. But no one's really taken much of a chokehold of that uh, of that red zone work in the past few years with Freeman there. Hooper finally did it last season. But if you look back in the years at the red zone work for the Falcons, no one ever really takes a true hold of it. So um, if someone can do that this year, they can definitely gain. And I think it'll be tall girly. But if people can start to bite into some of those red zone shares, they can become get a lot of fantasy value from it. Number two for me is uh, Michael Thomas and Emmanuel Sanders and the Saints. Definitely agree with you on the don't sleep on Emmanuel Sanders. This is a true wide receiver, too, for Drew Brees. And there hasn't really been much support behind Mike Thomas. Not a whole ton, not to the skill level of Emmanuel Sanders. Um but, mm-hmm. I mean, Michael Thomas, that's four straight 1,000-yard seasons, three of the four seasons with nine touchdowns, 1,700 yards last season, most targets in football with 185. It's crazy. We were talking, joking around about it before the show, about how it's all slants. However you got to do your business, however you got, whatever you got to do to get it done, Michael Thomas owners love it. It, it could be slants, it could be bubble screens, whatever you want. If you're getting 185 targets and 1,700 yards, they're good with it. Mm-hmm. Um, and Sanders coming in. 
um, and a healthy Alvin Kamara, I think Thomas might will see a bit of a drop in in targets, but he will still be probably the wide receiver one in football. I I would not argue that point whatsoever. Um, and I mean, the team actually ranked 16th in pass plays per game, which I found completely shocking when you consider how many targets Kamara and Thomas got and how many passing yards that team had. They were just so effective when throwing the ball. It was it's ridiculous when Drew Brees, Drew Brees has deadly accuracy and they just make big plays happen. He can hit them for 10, 15 yards and they all hit get 10 or 15 after that. So they were just extremely effective team when they were passing the ball. Number three for me, it was your number one, and that's Tampa Bay. I mean, I, I, I am on the fence about the impact of Winston being gone for the wide receivers. I mean, you look at it, he, they were, he was number one in attempts. They were number three in pass plays per game, number one in completed air yards, number two in touchdowns. Brady's not the same, but you could argue Brady did not have the same weapons or anywhere near the same weapons, which is definitely true. Julian Edelman is, it, you'd be hard pressed to find someone saying he's better than Mike Evans and Chris Godwin. <laughs> um, yeah. But uh, Brady was fourth in attempts, so he did throw the ball a lot more than I think people will assume he did, but he was number seven in yards, which is a, over a thousand yards less than Winston, and his completed air yards is well over a thousand less than Jameis Winston as well, which could pose a threat to the value that Chris Godwin and Mike Evans bring with that potential loss of those yards. But like you said, Tom Brady, he, he will throw the ball and he will, he's not as accurate as he used to be, but he's smart about it. He's very smart. He's not going to throw all those interceptable and danger plays that Jameis Winston did. So he's going to find the guys when they're open and then they can make the play happen from there. So easily those minus 1000 yards could be recouped, but it's over 5,000 total yards. It's a ton, a ton of passing yards for, for Tom Brady to have to make up. Um, and Bouchard Perriman's gone, so does that mean Chris Godwin returns to the outside where he was slightly less effective than being in the slot? Does Scotty Miller take that slot role? What what role does Justin Watson play? Will he play a role on the outside so Godwin can stay in the slot? It's really tough to say what Bruce Arians will end up doing there, but a return to the outside would probably not be beneficial for Chris Godwin. Keeping him in the slot where he's most effective would be best. Um and actually, before we got you on, Drake, I was actually telling Jim this crazy stat. The last sure. time Tom Brady sustained 2,000-yard wide receivers, wide receivers, wide we receivers. Get sustained wide receivers, he sustained a tight end. Can you guess what year that might have been? Oh, my gosh. This uh, blew my mind. Uh, I'm sorry. Just wide receivers, not a tight end. Just wide receivers. Just wide receivers. Uh, let's shoot for <laughs> I'm just throwing out a year here and I couldn't even tell you uh, 2005 you were close it was 2007 with Randy Moss and oh, Wes Welker Wes that was Welker God, I knew time. it was Moss and I couldn't put Welker on it dang <laughs> wow that's been a long time though he's done a good job of of like a thousand year wide receiver, a thousand yard tight end and stuff like that. And he's had wide receivers at eight, 900 yards and stuff, but he's only sustained two 1000 yard receivers once in his career. And it was 2007 and he has never sustained more than 2000 yard reception players ever. Okay. okay. So, so question then Randy Moss and Wes Welker or Chris Godwin and Mike Evans, who do you take? 
Randy Moss. Yeah, well, no, look, uh, look, that was what, I know it's Randy Moss, but I'm talking both of them together. I mean, no, yeah, it, no, it's, it's, it's still, still, it's still, Randy, no, it's still, still Moss. Randy Moss. You're right, it's, it's Randy Moss. My, 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 my point was is that when has he had, and, and you touched on it, when has he had that talent around him mm-hmm. um, going back, what, 13 years now? So that, that was my point, is that he's going to have very, very good talent around him at the wide receiver position, and we still haven't even touched on Gronk yet, but again, uh, wide receivers there. I, I'm, I'm, I am excited to see what he does with those two. 100%. And uh, I mean, I've also, you touched on it briefly, the expectation of a more positive game script for these guys equals likely less throwing and definitely far less need for big throws, interceptable throws. You know, you'll see a lot more from Tom Brady where it's more money passes versus those interceptable ones. And number four, like you, you put him there too, Carolina, man. I love DJ more. I, I love him more than anybody else. Like I have shares of him wherever I could. Um, he has incredible upside, especially with Teddy Bridgewater. What I looked at was, and you you touched on it, he was wide receiver 16 with Kyle Allen and Will Greer. <laughs> all. So we, you can only expect ascension from DJ Moore from here on out with Teddy Bridgewater. Um, but one interesting... I, I, I put it this way, Kyle Allen, was, Kyle Allen was so good. He was so good last year. He got a backup job in Washington. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. Very valid point. Um, something, something that really stands out to me is the Bridgewater's ranking in yards in the air versus yards after the catch. Um, DJ Moore ranked number eight in yards after the catch, so no problem. 47% of Teddy Bridgewater's yards were in the air. 53% were yards after the catch. So that I think that bodes incredible. That ranked him 37th among quarterbacks with 150 wow. plus targets or 150 plus throws. Um, yeah. So good for DJ Moore. Not yeah. so good for the Robbie Anderson and Curtis Samuel owners. Robbie all. Anderson lived and thrived off the deep pass. Actually, Teddy Bridgewater threw a deep attempt about 1.7 times per game last season. Uh-huh. And Robbie Anderson ranked 11th in deep targets, 62 in yards after the catch. And hold up, hold up. Could it get worse? <laughs> Curtis Samuel ranked 8th in deep targets, 74th in yards oh after Oh, my the gosh. Catch. So they're each going to have one reception per game. Ugh. Le- I mean, the chance that it gets better if they can add to their game. Yeah. But yes, there's there's a very good chance that DJ Moore and we knew DJ Moore would be the wide receiver one here, but more than ever with Teddy Bridgewater at the helm, DJ Moore will probably have a monster season. I think him and CMC big time will have big seasons because of what they can do with the yards after the catch. Um and you touched on the nine touchdowns to the two interceptions. Teddy Bridgewater is just a safe quarterback. Mm-hmm. That's just the way he is. He'll take the chuck down. He'll take the he'll take the slot guy who catches yep. at five yards and turns it into twenty for himself. Um, but I think that CMC. exactly. And so I think that hurts Anderson, and I hurt. I think that hurts Samuel's value. They were number two team in passing last season and had a absolutely dreadful play script with the backup quarterbacks that they had. And you know what? I think it's going to be the same this year, man. There's a good chance that Carolina's rebuilding. They have some really good offensive pieces, but Teddy Bridgewater may not be the future. But DJ Moore and CMC are the future there. So that's how I got my wide receivers. So question, has anyone so far ever changed uh, their order? On 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 the on the pod. Yeah, well, me. I, yeah, the quarterbacks. Say, <laughs> okay, well, well I, with Jared Goff and uh, Jimmy G. 
<laughs> well, I, well, we're going to do it a second time in a row because I'm just looking at it and I'm just like, what were you thinking? Um, yeah, there's no reason with my Calvin Ridley ranking where Julio should go even at age 31 this year. They should absolutely be my number one. It, it, it's probably going to be one of the closest divisions that you all will discuss for uh, for each. But I just I had them at three and I'm just thinking to myself, I'm like, that was stupid. Like Julio and Ridley in that offense, even with Gurley. And how bad their defense is, they are going to be throwing the ball a ton just as much as now last year. I think they had what 670, 680 attempts. I think I had them Ryan for 641 this year. That is a lot of attempts. And so whole point is is that um I'm going to make the switch because that was not a smart choice. I think I rushed that one. I just if I'm if I'm looking at Ridley as a wide receiver 12 and Julio still, at least for this year, potential top five, top six again, maybe even higher as he's always shown. Um, I, I just don't see how I can't have them at one and uh, move everybody else down. Maybe a 1A, 1B, 1C thing just because they're all so good. I did have a fun fact for you. So you had mentioned um, Julio and how often he did or didn't score touchdowns. How many touch? That's the question. How many touchdowns did he have from week seven of 2016 to week seven of 2018? Oh, I'm I'm gonna go with like wow five, maybe five or six at the most. On. Nail on the head. He had five. He had five touchdowns in two in a window of two years. Now, granted, in 2018, after week seven, he went off for like another. Uh, what, what was it? He went off for a whole bunch. But point. Um, no. Yeah, one, two, three, five. Yeah, he he went went for eight at the uh, second half of 2018. So he definitely picked it up. But yeah, he had a two year window where he had five total touchdowns. And, that, I mean, that, that that's just insane. It's Julio Jones. It is Julio Jones. But, it's but just when you look at the amount of yards and the targets, it's like, yep. come on, man. You <laughs> can be the wide receiver one year over year over year till you're 40 years old if you could get – reach that end zone like it's yeah, well, a, he's all about the green field but as soon as he sees the logos in the end zone it's like can't do it just can't well, no, do look, it. it's funny you say that because, because looking back at this 2018 through week seven game one against philly they, it was the score was 12 to 18 who and they lost julio had 19 targets 10 catches 169 yards didn't score next game against carolina atlanta won 31 to 24 they had 31 points he did not score a, on a five for 64 uh, skipping up ahead against against Cincinnati, Atlanta lost 36-37. Julio had nine for 173, did not score. Like, it just, I mean, you can go up to week seven against Tampa. They won 34-29, 10 for 144. New York Giants, nine for 104. He did not score in any of those games. And it just, mm-hmm. how? How? And, and I, I remember that year, too. There were so many times that he would die for a ball or get, clipped up and knocked down at the one or two like there I, there was three or four i can think of but just amazing that he had that window there but as an eagles fan i i remember that playoff game where they threw to the threw them in the end zone game was on the line and everything and jalen mills somehow was able to just punch that ball out and stuff <laughs> like those are the situations that julio runs into ye time and time and time again and i like, you 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 alluded to it at the beginning with cmc and that extra 10 average Imagine what an extra six every couple of games would do for a guy like Julio Jones. That's wide receiver one year over year. No doubt if you add that every couple of games, if you have uh, that extra six average. Yep. No, if you were to add an extra six average, yeah. I mean, last year he would have been the wide receiver one, even with Michael Thomas's 374, give him an extra six points per game. And again, that that, that is a lot. Of, oh, that was in only 15 games as well. 
But um, yeah, give him give him an extra game. He would be he would jump Godwin for wide receiver two if if you would have played a full sixteen. Godwin would have played fourteen. But anyways, yes, he would he would have been the wide receiver one last year and and would be mm-hmm. for most every year just touchdowns. So it'll be interesting to see how that unfolds, especially with Gurley coming in, um, getting getting uh, getting the ball, especially in the red zone. So I'm excited to see all that unfold. So I have a before I just run through my rankings. I just have one quick question um and it pertains to uh connor said teddy two gloves over there has 53 percent of his yards were uh from after the catch that was a great stat yeah it is a great stat but do you think it's because causation or do you think it's due to correlation do you think it's more so the fact that michael thomas runs a bunch of slant routes that are thrown at him five yards deep and then he's running or do you think it's because teddy can't throw the ball deep that's what i want to know that's that. See now that that's a that's a good thing to look at. I, I'd love to dig further into what those yards after the catch were and who created most of those yards after. The, but you know, Kamara creates a ton. He catches the ball behind the line of scrimmage and makes something happen. So you know that Bridgewater was thrown there too. Um, but man, like I'd be I'd be apt to say that it's Teddy Bridgewater's inability. He's safe. He's safe. That's all it is. He's safe. So he's not going to throw the ball. 40 yards down the field. He's not going to be like Jameis Winston. So I don't necessarily believe it's either or. I think it's just he's a safe quarterback. He's a smart quarterback. And he's not going to take the calculated risk or the uncalculated risk to throw down the field. But I think a lot more digging into the yards in the air and the yards after the catch and who they were directed to would answer that question a lot better. But I just think he's a safe quarterback. He's like Tom Brady. They're safe they're smart. They will take throwing away the ball or the check down over uh, ill-advised 20-yard out route that has a risk of being picked off. Yeah, okay, because uh, I want to dig it. I want to look into that a little bit. I want to look into his Minnesota numbers when he was and see what his, what his numbers were later on. But I heard um, Drake pounding away on a keyboard, so he might be yeah, trying to no, pull up I, some I, mini no, numbers I, I, for I, us. I, I, I was. Yeah, that's a, because of the awesome... I end up getting a, a blue Yeti, and uh, yeah, it picks up everything. But no, I um, I, I was trying to look it up, and, and it's funny. I mean, Joe Brady from LSU is coming in, and he likes to go deep with the ball too. I mean, Joe Joe Brady with LSU had ten point eight yards per attempt, and that's not going to be Bridgewater's strengths. I mean, put it this way: Bridgewater only averaged two hundred twenty eight passing yards a game, and you touched on the fifty three forty seven split there. How's it going to be different with CMC? CMC is going to get the going to get a hundred hundred and twenty ish. What, what I have, whatever. He's going to get a hundred and twenty. Call it a hundred to a, a hundred and ten, hundred and twenty targets. Those aren't going to be above the line of scrimmage that often. Even if they are, it's not going to be anything in terms of you know reasonable numbers that you might see with other quarterbacks. He's going to be dumping it off so much to McCaffrey. Moore's going to get a lot of short short. More hat, more hat uh, can look at 14 yards per reception, but as you said, is a lot of that's going to be after the catch as well. Anderson and Samuel are, are going to be in an interesting situation in terms of where, how often they're targeted. But um, again, I'm just excited to see all this unfold and see where, uh, just see where Bridgewater ends up at. I, I, I just think this is a very similar role to the Saints, like Kamara. You know, McCaffrey's obviously a. A very good pass catcher. Um, 
I just think this is going to be very similar. I think it's going to be that 230, 240 yards a game, nothing special. And it's going to be 25 touchdowns or so. I have him at 23. And then I'd be curious to see his turnovers as well. So I, I just, I'm worried for that wide receiver group as a whole. But as you said, DJ Moore and Christian McCaffrey are going to be fine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. They're going to be fine. And I don't think it's a coincidence that they did bring in Teddy to mirror that type of offense from the Saints. But my point is, I do think Teddy has a couple a couple other tricks in his bag. I do think he can throw it a little deep. Uh, I'm not buying Robbie Anderson, though. I don't think he's mm-hmm. going to be doing it enough to sustain Robbie Anderson. But I do think he's going to fool a lot of people that think he is uh, more Alex Smith than Jameis Winston. And I think I think he's got a little Jameis in him where he can he can chuck it, man. Like, he, yeah, he's safe, but like he can chuck it if he, if he needs to. And uh, he can run off the play action with, with uh, CMC in the background. But with that, though, I have him ranked myself. I have him, uh, the Falcons at, at one with with Julio because I do have. I do have Julio as my wide receiver one in the NFL. I have him above Michael Thomas. I just think mm-hmm. he's a more complete wide receiver. I have him. I have him as a more complete wide receiver. He can do a little more. And as uh, I was on a pod with uh, Goat District a couple of days ago, nice. And what and what uh, Ty Tyrell brought up and uh, and uh, Dan brought up is uh, you can see Julio probably make a transition in, into the slot and continue some dominance. Uh, that would just Larry be unfair. Like the Larry Fitzgerald style, where you're not really going to get anything from from a trade value stance in a dynasty, but like he's still going to produce for you wide receiver two numbers and uh, low end wide receiver one and wide receiver three as he as he gets on in his age. So like for me, like I said, he he is he's the most complete wide receiver I think in the NFL still, and he's getting severely disrespected. And I like Calvin Ridley, so that's why they're they're my uh, they're my number one. My number two is the Bucks. And it's simply, uh, it's simply a combination of having, as much as I don't really like to admit this, but uh, probably the greatest of all time, even though I think it's Joe Montana. You got the greatest of all time for quarterback <laughs> and, and, uh, and uh, Tom Brady. And it's un, it's no two ways around. Yeah. You had two top five, two top five wide receivers last year finish. Now, yeah, that was definitely due to uh, causation with being down, you know, two touchdowns or one touchdown with, you know, two minutes left and having to chuckle with Jameis. And I don't think the negative game scripts are going to be there, but the talent still is. And then uh, number three is, is the saints. And uh, sorry. Uh, so number three for me is the saints. And that's because of, of Michael Thomas. I'm not trying to disrespect Emmanuel Sanders at all, but it's a new offense. And uh, typically wide receivers don't really uh, thrive in year one. Now, I do know he has a Hall of Fame caliber quarterback and Drew Brees throwing to him, and he's not going to be the number one option. But like I said, just the other two position groups that I named, the other two teams with the uh, position groups are just to me a little bit stronger. And then uh, rounding it out is the Panthers, and that's just because I don't think they really have anybody behind DJ Moore. Uh, I'm not I'm not sold on Robbie Anderson. Um and I'm not sold on Curtis Samuel. Uh, I wasn't sold on Curtis Samuel last year, but I also wasn't sold on DJ Moore. So I was definitely wrong on him. I was just, I just wasn't sold as a whole. 
Yeah, I mean, I mean, one of the big things for me for Robbie Anderson is the fact that like he's had a chance to take that job in in New York for so long, and he hasn't even gotten a thousand yard season yet. Like he's been yeah. in the league for four years. This guy's getting overpaid for for. I can't even fathom the reason in for Carolina. They had a a like Robbie Anderson 2.0 and Curtis Samuel. I mean, I gave you the stats and the yards after the catch and the deep targets are essentially the same person. But you had Curtis Samuel on a fair cheaper rookie deal. And then you bring this guy in two years, $20 million, doesn't even have a thousand yard season yet. He hasn't really established, I mean, from a fantasy perspective, he's never established himself whatsoever in, from a fantasy perspective. Um, for me, it's just like, I just, I can't, I can't make sense of it. That signing, I was like, yeah, uh, I, I don't, I, I don't I, get it. I, I didn't get it either. I, I'm with you hundred percent. I, I will take one thing away from this and it's just, it just reminds me of, of these of new newer coaches that are coming in. What I mean, what I mean by this is they are working with the players they have. They're not forcing players to. They're not forcing players to work in a system. They're working with the players they have. And a perfect example of that would be, you know, Lamar Jackson, obviously. And it's an example because what I'm getting at is that we've we all agree that Bridgewater is not going to be a, a, a deep pass guy. He, he he's just not. But then why would Matt Rule? bring in Robbie Anderson. I mean, I mean, if you have Curtis Samuel, why would you bring in Robbie Anderson? And so my, my thought to that is, and I, I saw it somewhere too. I know, I know Robbie had a season with a rule at temple um, offense and I saw special teams, but my point is, is that Curtis Samuel ran a four, three, ran a four, three, one, 44, whatever, four, three, 40 time. So did Robbie Anderson. What happens if you give these guys a short throw and maybe some decent blocks and just let them take off. And so mm-hmm. maybe we're, looking at it the wrong way and again they're still going to be the bottom of, of of this division in terms of where we rank them but for now but maybe there's going to be more of a negative game script than we think because panthers have lost a lot of players on defense and actually finished 2019 allowing the second most points per game um I saw that on a four by four article by chris allen so shout out to him there but second most points per where is that? Second most points per game, 29.4 points. So their defense may be on a bit of a rebound, and this may apply to more negative game script. And so, again, Bridgewater may not be throwing the ball extremely far downfield, but Samuel and Rock and Anderson could be used um, could be used a little different than what we're expecting. So it'll be very curious to see that. But just, just like you both, I, I have them at the bottom of the totem pole. Yeah, I mean, look, for me, like the yards after the catch number doesn't necessarily mean that they kill. They couldn't create the yards after the catch. Yes. Maybe they just didn't have like look at Lev Bell in in New York that they uh. they can't block to save their lives. There, Lev Bell was left out to dry, left out to die in that backfield. Um, so, I mean, imagine if you're Robbie Anderson and you make a catch at five yards or whatever. I mean, Jamison Crowder became the complete shock treatment. He he showed you how to how to catch a ball at two yards and get an extra seven or eight yards <laughs> out of it. But imagine if you're Albie Anderson and you're trying to get a bunch of yards after the catch. That just, that wasn't the team to do it. And I don't think this is a team to do it either. I, I don't actually love any aspect of this team. And you know what? You brought up the, you made the comment about Teddy Bridgewater and you said, why did Matt Rule bring him in? Maybe he, if Teddy Bridgewater proves himself a more capable quarterback, then at least you have a quarterback. But I think all stars are lining for Trevor Lawrence. 
It's the Jags or the Panthers who are going to oh end up with goodness. Trevor Lawrence. So um, that's the thing for me. That when you made that <laughs> comment, I was saying, "What was he thinking?" I got to have a backup plan <laughs> if Trevor Lawrence doesn't work out, or if I, or if my team performs just a little bit better and doesn't get Trevor Lawrence. That was what I was thinking. Or Trey Lance or Justin Fields. <laughs> exactly. There's plenty of options in the draft for them, yep. so I wouldn't be surprised, honestly, <clears throat> if if it's just a you know have that backup plan, have that that piece of that established piece, and Teddy Bridgewater will be back on the bench here soon enough. Interesting. Good good points. I like that. Yeah, I love it actually. So I was just uh, looking at some numbers there real quick while I was listening to you. But yeah, I think uh, I think you guys actually nailed it right on the head. Actually, Drake, I really liked your point there with uh, with the uh, with the quick catch and runs with Robbie Anderson or Curtis Samuel. Right? Like I, I didn't even think of that. Where uh, and that actually got me thinking if they deploy them both at the thing, uh, both um, on the line, and they use one as a decoy. Yep. To open mm. up the coverage, and then they hit the other one with a with a open lane, right? With a little bit <clears> of open <throat> field in the middle, that could be deadly. Yep. Wow. That's, slants, uh, on both, slants on both sides, maybe, or a good old Madden double wide receiver screen. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but, man. No, yeah. <clears throat> wow, I might I might start taking some dart throws on uh, the cheapest <laughs> Carolina <laughs> wide receiver at the end of drafts now. Go get them oh, at man. the end of best balls, especially. Th- th- throw your head out there for one or one, one of them, two of them in best balls. Oh yeah, best <clears throat> for, right. Uh, Robbie mm-hmm. Anderson for sure. He's he's uh oh yeah, he's definitely a best ball candidate of mine. Him and him and Amari Cooper seem to oh, be uh the, the two. Amari. Well, mm-hmm. I like Amari for best ball, but I don't. Oh like yeah, Dynasty. <laughs> no, I, I I'm I'm with you there. I, I sold a. Share of his that I had uh, a couple shares actually this off season, and that was before and after the Lamb. So, nice. Oh, side note, real quick, did you guys see Lamb's comment today? They asked, you know, what he hopes to um, have for an NFL career with the Cowboys, and he said he wants to be a Hall of Famer. Hey, I would, I'd, I'd, I'd believe it, man. I'd believe yeah. it. I think it, that I think that uh, receiver. There's a lot less dollars on the uh, table for Amari Cooper after this season, so I wouldn't be surprised if they try and move Amari Cooper and Gallup and Lamb become the center of that offense. I thought about that too. The only thing is, like, does Jones does Jones eat that decision? Like publicly, does Jones eat that decision? He just doesn't seem like he would. Like, I, I I've thought I've thought about that a good bit. I mean, you're paying. Mm-hmm. A wide receiver that much money does Jerry Jones of all people openly admit you know what we're gonna go with CeeDee Lamb see you Amari I, I just oh and we gave a first round to you and got hell for it so I am if that happens my goodness CeeDee Lamb would shoot up d- dynasty ranks quicker than any wide receiver we've ever but seen. But just like just like Jerry Jones commented, he never thought C.D. Lamb was going to land there. Exactly. He never would have I mean, re-signed Amari Cooper if he knew C.D. Lamb was going to 17. Exactly. I mean, he, he said he was their BPA. Anyway. He was right there at the top of their uh, BPA and best player they wanted. But ah, I, I'm just – I don't know if, if he will bite the bull on that one. It'll be interesting to see. But again, for the cost, you're, you're, you're right. He very well could. And then guess what? He's got two cheap wide receivers on rookie contracts with a mm-hmm. – Big time, uh, Prescott paycheck looming. Uh, if, whether that's a hundred million or a billion, I'm not quite sure where that's at yet. And then, uh, and then Zeke, obviously. So that'll be exciting mm-hmm. to see. 
Yeah, I mean, what would you want your first round wide receiver to say? Like, I want to play about the league yeah. years. Yeah, yeah. No, no, no. That, that, that was my other point. I was going to say, like, who doesn't say that? I, I just yeah. saw someone, uh, I forgot who it was in a tweet. They just, they, they linked, they linked where you said that. And they said, uh, CD Lamb has just moved, moved up my ranks. That's why, that's why I thought that was funny. Yeah, yeah. Like I said, I, I personally see, like, when we were breaking it down in the NFC East, like, I personally see, uh, Jerry eating it on 2020, uh, trying to make a trade, but I don't think anyone's going to trade for for Cooper in 2020. But I think after 2021, he's gone, man. Because yep. like, it, there's a, there's they an have out. the out. They have the out. That's right. Is is, is there a dead cap hit on that or no? Is there like five or six uh, million or something? I, I think, think it's is. like five million. I can double check though. Are you asked Amari Cooper? Do what? Are you talking yeah, about yeah, Amari Mark. Cooper's? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He has an out in 2021, which I, I know y'all know that. I just I think the dead cap hit is like minuscule compared it's, to what. Yeah, he it's nothing. They can just yeah. let him go. Yeah. Uh, right now. Yeah, six million dead. Six million. Yeah, that, that, that's what yeah. I thought. Yeah, you, you both are exactly right. Yeah, that's nothing. Nope. Yeah, post a 28 million. Oh my Woo! god. <laughs> 2021 is a 28 million dollar cap hit. Jesus. All right, then. So, be on that so everyone, go get your CD Lamb shares right now. Before right now. 2022. Please, go get it right now. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, that's, It's absolutely crazy. That is. I didn't know it was 28. My gosh. Jesus. Like, that's more than... I'll, if you've got contracts put up, that's more than... I'm going to say what? What is that? Top five QB money? No, pretty damn close to top five QB money. Yeah, you'd be pretty close. Yeah, for sure you're close, right? Because, well, what's, well, well, without Mahomes getting his deal yet, I think you're top five or what? Uh, Russell Wilson's number one. Is Wilson number one? To my knowledge, yes. Uh, Wilson, where's it at? Where's it at? Where's it at? Yeah, Wilson's getting 35 per year. On average, Big Ben thirty-four per year on average. Oh damn, these contracts have gone up. Uh, that twenty-eight million would put him at. Wait, when was this written? Seven or eight, right? Yeah, hold on. That puts him in like the Tom Brady last year's fucking range. Well, twenty. This is a March fourth, twenty twenty. Jac- Jacoby Brissett twenty-seven point nine eight million dollars. Ooh, ooh. Tell me that number is not right. Um, yeah, no, that, that puts him right there just under the Tannehill, the Tannehill number at 29 and a half. So yep. he's getting paid as a top 10 wide receiver, like a top 10 quarterback. Good for him. <laughs> Steal of a deal. Steal of a yeah. deal. <laughs> oh my God. Um, yeah, so that, that was our wide receivers, right? So mm-hmm. yeah, move on to the tight ends then, I guess. And, uh. I'll let Connor take the lead on the tight ends. For, Go for it. Uh, yeah, so so number one for me has got to be Tampa Bay. I mean, you can't look at a team. They, they have three starters for tight ends, and they don't know how to use any of them. <laughs> um, so you got Gronk coming back. And listen, I, I can't t- I, before the show, I kind of was talking to Jim about, I think it's more of a smoke screen to pull some attention. You get an extra 
You got a couple extra people on defense who got to keep their eye on Gronk. I don't think, I mean, you, you're guaranteed Gronk's going to miss time. You know he's going to be hurt. So I think he's more there just as a smoke screen and just because Tom Brady said, I want my best friend with me. And um, <laughs> and then Cameron Braid, obviously, he he's he's there. I mean, he's a forgotten tight end in Tampa who's there for checkdowns and touchdowns. And then there's O.J. Howard. I'm here for O.J. Howard. I got a ton of O.J. Howard shares. I'm praying and hoping this man is an athletically gifted freak. They yep. did say that they're likely to run more two uh, tight end sets. Um, I saw that. Which is a positive because then it definitely means that Gronk or Howard, one or the other, they're, they're going to have to draw attention. And whether they're there for blocking purposes or whether they're there for catching per- receiving purposes and being eligible receivers... Well, they you definitely have to have eyes on them at all times. Um, I mean, for, for O.J. Howard, for me, that athletic freak, he's loaded with potential. He's one year removed from a tight end 10 season, three straight seasons at 35-plus targets, 430-plus yard seasons, and five-plus touchdowns in two out of those three years. He just needs tight end one volume. Whatever he did to Bruce uh, whatever he did, not Bruce Aaron, but it's Bruce Aaron. Yeah, Bruce Aaron. Whatever happened last year with him that he kind of fell out of favor with him I don't know what it was, but O.J. Howard would be going off if he was almost anywhere else. But he's instead, he's now stuck behind Gronk. But I'm hoping Gronk is a smokescreen for O.J. Howard to kind of break out. But no matter what, Gronk, Brayton, Howard are all on one team, and they could easily be on three separate teams as tight end ones. So pretty hard to argue with Tampa in that case. Um Number two for me is Atlanta. After this, it's pretty much a crapshoot. But uh, number two for me is Atlanta. Hooper's out. Hayden Hurst got it. They traded for Hayden Hurst. He's in. The uh, the man who was infamously buried behind Mark Andrews. Um, Hurst has what... You did talk about Hurst briefly there for a minute. Um, I think he was targeted 30 times last season. I can't remember how many receptions, but he has he had zero drops. So there's some potential there in Hayden Hurst. I'm just not willing to pay the price on Hayden Hurst right now or to draft him when you look at all the tight ends who are dropping in drafts. The Joe Newsmiths, the Blake Jarwins, the Mike Gasickis, the Noah Fans, TJ Hawkinsons. I'm just not willing to pay the price on Hurst just because the offense throws the ball a ton and because Hooper vacated all those targets. Is Hurst going to be like Hooper? Eh, but I'm still going to put him as my number two. He has the best tight end op- opportunity in the league, I think, but can he be that tight end one and live up to the hype is a big question. Um, one stat that stands out to me in Atlanta, the Falcons are vacating the most targets in the NFL this year. Um, it was wow. 200, I think it was 230 targets vacated and over 1,200 air yards and the most work inside the 10. Like we alluded to earlier, they are vacating a ton of red zone work. So that could be big for Hayden Hurst. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, he, he has okay value. He's being drafted as a tight end 16 or at pick 130 in dynasty startups, um, which is right behind Jonu Smith and Mike Kosicki, other potential breakout tight ends. So the value could be there. I think I'm, I'd rather go on the Gasicki Jonu Smith side honestly but i mean he's there the value's there the opportunity's there the targets and the vacated targets are there so it'll be interesting to see what hayden hurst does um number three for me is new orleans and listen don't draft your cook 
don't buy Jared Cook is my advice here. Um, this is Thomas and Kamara's offense. Tight ends are largely avoidable. Um, they only targeted tight ends 20% of the time, which was below the league average of 21%. Jared Cook was the tight end seven last year. Um, but I really think that this, that, that this could be, or that was the last season of fantasy relevance for him. He's 33 years old now. There's tons of emerging tight end talent. I kind of alluded to some of the names. Irv Smith Jr. also. You could mm-hmm. add into that mix as well. Um, I think Jared Cook's fantasy relev- relevancy is over. But if you want to get a dirt cheap option, go for Adam Trotman. His best comparable on player profilers, Dallas Goddard, coming out of uh, college. And look at Dallas Goddard and Zach Ertz. So you just don't know what you could have in Adam Trotman, but you can definitely get him dirt cheap and very much a kind of mid to mid late in rookie drafts and definitely late, late, late in startup. So I'm saying avoid Jared Cook, go get Adam Trotman and see what there is in, in Trotman if you really want a New Orleans tight end. Um, Lastly, for me, is Carolina. Um, Greg Olson vacates and vacates a super interesting role for Ian Thomas. But do you trust Ian Thomas? Do you want to put any type of investment in him? 81 no. vacated targets and 597 yards is Greg Olson's numbers last year. Um, he showed some signs and saw some targets late in the season. But again, there's just better options. There's just far better options, ones that are way more due for breakouts than an Ian Thomas. And we talked about the checkdowns. We talked about those short game targets. DJ Moore, maybe Curtis Samuel, maybe Robbie Anderson, CMC in the backfield. Um, Bridgewater's last full season as a QB when he was in Minnesota, saw his tight end one, Rudolph, get targeted 73 times for only 495 yards and five touchdowns. So does Teddy Bridgewater love tight ends? That's up for debate. I don't know if I'd be investing in Ian Thomas in any form or fashion whatsoever, but that's how I rate the tight ends. I, I'll just piggyback on that with Thomas too. He, he's at my bottom and I'll touch on that. But as you said, Thomas isn't going to be this deep threat. He, he, maybe he, he gets targets up the middle, but even then all these targets are going to see him at least short distance wise. All these targets are going to see him seeing more. It, it, it's just going to happen. Everything, everything numbers wise fits to Bridgewater feeding those two, trying to get the other two speedsters involved in Anderson and Samuel. And Thomas is just going to be on the outside looking in. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll, I'll jump in there with the tight end. I have you, you gave a lot of great stats, so I'll, I'll just kind of breeze this quickly. But I have Gronk. Uh, I'm sorry. Yeah, I, I have the Gronk and OJ Howard and Bray Tampa group there. I have Gronk at. If I can pull it up, there we go. Now this one is subject to change. I still want to do some more digging into this, but I have the target share broken up between Gronk and Howard at 13% for Gronk, 10% for Howard. That would put Gronk roughly inside, especially with his touchdown rate, which should still be pretty solid. He has, he has very good hands for a tight end. That should put him right at uh, 74 targets, 52 receptions, 595 receiving yards, and seven touchdowns based on last year. That puts him in there as um, just inside uh, tight end nine, tight end ten. So a low end, a low end tight end one, and, and I think that'll be somewhat touchdown dependent. But it also going into two tight end sets, and for Arians to come out and say that, that that's not just to blow smoke. That's to genuinely try and get Howard involved. They really like his talent. He said it himself. It just has not shown out numerically. Um, I have Howard at 10%, and again, this could change, but uh, 57 targets, 47, 40 receptions, 438 receiving yards, and three touchdowns. But we'd love to see him get the ball more. Hurst next with Atlanta. You hit every single nail on the head in terms of just, 
opportunity, but at the same time, I Hurst is not Hooper. Hurst uh, was known for a blocking role and has good receiving upside. So I have him at 71 targets, 49 receptions, 543 receiving yards, and four touchdowns. Uh, just inside a, he would be a very very low end tight end one, but most likely going to be a probably in the top 15. So pretty solid tight end two. Um, because I, I just have more of that work going to really going to Jones and going to girl, good uptick for Gurley. Um, and then number three, I have um, number three, I have Jared Cook with the Saints. Just as you said, I he he's 33 years old. He's not going to. I don't see, especially with Sanders coming in. That's with Sanders coming in and mm-hmm. doing what Sanders does well. There's no way Cook is going to maintain a tight end seven pace at 167.5 points per game over 14 games as well. I just, I don't see that happening. Um, and, and not to mention there was such a huge gap from tight end six to tight end seven Hooper at tight end six for uh, the Falcons playing only 13 games, which is awesome. Uh, third highest average uh, amongst the top tier there behind Kelsey and Kittle would have had him at tight end three point being is that there was a 24 point gap between tight end six and seven, which was very, very, very high outside of outside of Kelsey and Kittle being 254 to 222 at the one two spot. That was the next highest spot. It was a tw- almost a 25 point gap between number six and number seven. And then right behind Cook was Higby, uh, who had 160. He could very well be a surprise. Henry's behind them. Henry only played 12 games. It'll be curious to see how he fits into that role there. But at the same time, he's a very good tight end. Godare coming up like he has. I mean, Gasecki coming on strong at the end of the season like he did. Curious to see where he fits. Irv Smith getting more time. Evan Ingram staying healthy and playing more. Fant getting into a really getting to utilize his skill sets. I mean, there's so many guys down this list that can just really show out and uh, you know potentially surprise you. I mean, there, there's even a guy down here, Eric Ebron for Pitt, mm-hmm. for Pittsburgh. You know, he has to stay healthy. He has to. Um, it'll be curious to see how that offense works. But there's there's just so many guys that are going to knock a guy like Cook out of the way. And again, Cook is not going to sustain that relevancy that he had, especially at that age. Go get Troutman, like you said. He's going at the end of rookie drafts, almost as uh, a, a guy you can get off the waiver wire. Um, but just go get him, reap that reward there. Um, I, I said waiver wire. I've actually seen him waiver wire a couple weeks. I've I've seen it all over the place. I've seen Comet uh, and him go as high as mid to late third. But again, they're going very very late. Get them. Go trade for them for next to nothing for peanuts, and um, hopefully reap a nice reward there in the future. And then last but not least, Ian Thomas. Uh, you know, Greg Olson was the tight end thirteen and fourteen games. But there's I I do not see how Thomas gets involved with what Bridgewater is good at, what he's known for. CMC is going to eat. DJ Moore is going to eat. The speedsters on the end, and I'm just repeating myself at this point, but the speedsters are going to get theirs. And then er, and then uh, Ian Thomas is just going to be, he's going to be the fifth wheel. And I just don't mm-hmm. see any other way around that. And honestly, I don't see him, um, gosh, I don't even see him getting inside the top 20 overall. Wow. So I'm definitely different than you guys on the tight ends. Um, I, I actually have Ian Thomas as, as number two. Oh. at the Panthers two in the, oh in the tight gosh. end group here. Good Lord, and, Jim. Uh, All right, guys, that was a nice man, show. I'll see you later. <laughs> <laughs> man, it's it's just because I'm gonna I'm gonna touch quick on it. Like, yeah, Jerry Cooks like is is the four for me. I'll I'll run it through four through one. I got. I got the Saints as four, and it's because uh, it is because I don't think 
Cook is going to be relevant. Uh, Charlman's still a couple years out, so I don't really see uh, them being relevant this year. But yeah, throw some cheap, cheap to cheap darts at Troutman. I do have uh, the Bucks at three, and that's because I don't know what to think of it. Like, yeah, OJ Howard is talented. Uh, what happened to him last year? I'll tell you what happened. Jameis Winston threw a pass at his back that Bruce Arians <laughs> expected him to catch for some reason, not looking, and then like went in the doghouse. But I don't know how that's his fault. Uh, I do think like Gronk's Gronk is going to cannibalize Howard's opportunities. As being, uh, as even even if he's just a smoke show, just him getting on the field, and then I like Cameron Brait, but like they all seem to cannibalize each other to me, and I don't know which dart to really throw at that at that particular position. So I'm really staying away, and add to the fact that they do have two top five wide receivers coming back from last year. I I don't see any any ways to find which one's actually going to be fantasy relevant for the thing. Uh, I have ready. I have Ian Thomas and the oh Panthers at two. And that's unreal. I, I want to know why I do. I think he's going to operate more like a Kyle Rudolph where he's going to be the security blanket when they do get into the 10 yard, 10 yards and, and closer in that oh, red so, zone. So you don't just... want to own him essentially who, who wants to own <laughs> Kyle Rudolph or a Kyle Rudolph like tight end. I didn't say I wanted to own him, but I do <laughs> like his positional value better than a 33-year-old Jared Cook and three tight ends that I don't know who I'm really going to throw a dart at. Uh, former <clears throat> WWE champion last week, uh, Harvard grad, or a guy that can't catch passes at throwing his back. Like I don't know which one I'm going to go with. That's why I have him at two. But the real one for me is the Falcons, and it's because of all the vacated targets uh there like it's it's crazy that there's over 200 targets up for grabs in this offense and the wide receiver one isn't gone that's crazy doesn't it, seem it to blows my mind the, the freeman targets man why why 70, did you throw 70. the ball like, at him like that many times fought. 70 and then i think yeah, Cooper it's... vacates like like vacated like over 80 90, targets 93 96 something like that yeah, like ridiculous, man. Yep. Unreal. So, like this, as much as I really had trouble doing the, the wide receiver position because of talent, I had equally tough doing the tight end position due to really like just like ambiguity. Yeah. yeah, like the ambiguity that that, that's, that's going on with it, right? And like I said, it's not, I don't have the Panthers and Thomas up there at two because of the skill and talent that's there. I have them because of really the other two behind them. I just, they're, they're just worst options. Like that's how bad the tight end position group in this division is as good as the quarterbacks, the wide receivers and the running backs are the tight end position. just scares the shit out of me in this division, except for <laughs> the Falcon, take a dart, throw it at a Falcon tight end. And I, I don't even really like Hayden Hurst, to be honest with you. Like, <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not, I'm not even really a big Hayden Hurst guy. So, like, I don't know. I don't really like that division for, for tight ends. There's a lot of other divisions I like a lot mm-hmm. better. Um, mm-hmm. And, yeah, I'm not, I'm not trying to say I, I want Kyle Rudolph. On my t- I actually want Irv Smith. <laughs> is, is, I, I want him. Yes, yes. 
We talked uh, about him like it's ridiculous. Irv Smith is probably the youngest tight end in the NFL. He's still 21 years old. Like that, and that guy's That's already crazy. got a year of NFL experience under his belt. Right. Like get Kyle Rudolph out of Minnesota and let us Irv Smith owners reap some benefits here. Like, come on now. Do, do you well, remember how disappointed how disappointed all of us were when Rudolph got re-signed and then they had Irv Smith there? Like that was just a punch in the gut. Mm-hmm. Like Irv Smith coming on like he did, like he was going to be tight in one relevant his first year. And then they're like, no, we'll, we'll resign Rudolph and just kill kill all that. Okay, so I actually I actually like that Rudolph signing <laughs> after talking to uh, Dan Williamson the other day. Um, because, yeah, like Rudolph, they do different things. It's like mm-hmm. he, he pointed it out to me, like they do do different things. Like, mm-hmm. And I was saying to him, like, which, which tight end do you think is going to be on the field in between the 20s? And he said, Irv Smith, and that, that, oh, wow. and that's what I, th- right. I think Irv Smith's going to be the, in the tight end in between the twenties. I like the fact that his ADP is depressed because of the Kyle Rudolph signing and I'll take him in tight end premium formats, the one and a half point per receptions. Uh, like he won't get the, t- he won't get the touchdowns. Like I was saying before in another podcast, touchdowns is the least sticky metric. So I don't want to look at them year, year to year. That's not what I'm looking at. I'm looking at market share numbers, and their market share numbers were like identical. Like they were, it was crazy last year. He had one less target than Kyle Rudolph, two less receptions. The difference was touchdowns. Now, with a year under his belt, I think they're going to deploy him more in between the twenties, where he's going to get more receptions, more 1.5 uh, reception bonus points, and Kyle Rudolph can have his you know five touchdowns a season. And uh, give me the depressed ADP on Irv Smith, and that—that's why I actually like I have him as a dynasty asset, top five for me. Like I think I think he's in my top five buys for. for well, I know he is in my top five buys for for uh, dynasty tight ends, and I get a lot of flack for it. I'm not saying he's going to finish in the top five this year. I think he's going to definitely finish in the top eight though in uh, tight fair. end premium tight end premium uh tight end premium uh leagues and i think next year his adp is going to uh be a lot higher like a lot higher like you can probably cash out on him if you want if you didn't feel safe next draft right like you can you can probably flip him i think there's the truthers like me that will will pay you a pretty penny next year that's yeah. for damn sure well, I, don't I, I got him for before the before the draft this year I got him in one of my dynasty leagues for a third round pick. Wow, that's really in, good. In for, one, for in a, one for a twenty twenty rookie third round pick. And in one was, of my in was, one of my startups, it was the one Jim you made the comment, and someone said, "Oh, really?" And I think I drafted him in like the twenty fifth round. I was I was just scanning through. Oh, who am I wow. going to pick at this? Wow this graveyard of a time and i was like holy shit irv smith jr and uh, (laughs) it was a no-brainer with the running backs and the tight end the running backs and receivers that were around and the semi-retired qbs that were around him waiting to be picked oh yeah it's crazy i actually know who was uh i was talking about with that um i'd have to bring him up on twitter but i do remember that conversation and uh yeah but like i said like he's super talented and the the other thing about Irv Smith Jr. is like he has NFL pedigree in his family. He knows how to how to prepare. And uh I don't know. Like I said, I've been I've been all over him. 
I've been all over them. I probably own him on like I'd say easily seven teams. Easily. He's probably my highest on uh tight end in Dynasty right now. Nice. Junior. Yeah, man. So with that, let's uh let's round this bad boy out with uh with everybody's favorite, the quarterbacks. Drake, why don't why don't you take point on that one? Okay. Um I, I, so real quick, a fun fact that I found on Pro Football Reference and uh, we can debate this a bit based on where I have my guys, but uh, with Tom Brady, now again, th- this is just what they're calling a percentage of poor throws per pass attempt, excluding spikes and throwaways. Bad percentage, the leading percentage of bad throws was Aaron Rodgers at 21.2%, which is shocking. Now, you know, I wouldn't say shocking because he didn't spike, but he he was not afraid to throw it away. But Tom Brady ranked third in bad throws last year at twenty point six percent. Just something to consider there. Um, but what I'm getting at with that is my ranking. So, gosh, it's going to go all over the place. But for me, just in terms of who you have to take, you have to take Matt Ryan. Matt again, that defense is not going to get much. I don't see much improvement in the defense. Matt Ryan was the um, QB 11 in 15 games with an 18.76 average. Um, you could make the case for Philip or for Phil, for uh, Drew Brees because Drew Brees had a higher per game average, but also uh, I mean, what, he only played 11 games, but he averaged 20.8 points per game, which would which would have been top still in the top 10, just a couple points behind, in front of Ryan there. But point being, I have Ryan number one. I think that offense is just going to have to play catch up. They are, they have one of the toughest schedules that you will see. I, yeah, Seattle, Dallas, Chicago, Green Bay, Carolina, Minnesota, Detroit, Carolina. That's the first eight weeks. Seattle can keep up with you. Dallas is definitely going to keep up with you. Chicago, that'll just be, you got to worry about their defense. Green Bay can keep up with you. Carolina, uh, to, to be determined. Minnesota can keep up with you. Detroit can keep up with you. Stafford, very underrated, and we can touch on that off air. Uh, and then Denver, up and coming. And then even the second half, New Orleans twice, Tampa twice, Kansas City, Chargers. Like They are going to have to play catch up, keep up this entire season, and have a very, very tough schedule. So expect him to chuck the ball just like last year. I have him at approximately... 635 pass attempts. I think he was closer to like six, uh, 670 last year. Don't hold me to that, but roughly 670. 635 pass attempts. He'll push for almost 5,000 yards passing, and I would not be shocked to see him around 30 touchdowns, and hopefully this year he can keep it under double-digit interceptions. So um, I'm expecting a lot out of him. That leads to my next guy, Drew Brees, and that's, I mean, just just precision. I mean, the dude is going to go down as an all-time uh, accurate passer. I mean, even last year, like I said, points per game outside of, you know, he was 20.8 points per game, which was one, two, three, four. That was eighth best in the NFL on a per game average. So we'd be looking at a QB eight throughout an entire season and the other five games that they went five and zero. Oh, um, you know, he's, he very well could have done more because in a couple of those games that I don't have that pulled up in a couple games, they here we go Teddy Bridgewater. Yeah, here we go. In the five games that he did not play, there was the Rams, Seahawks, Dallas, Tampa, and um, Rams, Seahawks, Dallas, Tampa. 
Or no, no, I'm sorry. Yeah, he went out week two. So Rams, Seahawks, Dallas, Tampa, Jacksonville, Chicago. I mean, right there, he very easily could have surpassed that number against Dallas, could have surpassed it against Tampa, especially at that time. Uh, Seattle was always, was always going to be a high-scoring game, and Chicago was actually a high-scoring game in which uh, the Saints won 36-25. So you could be looking at very high numbers for Breeze. But at the same time, I think Ryan has all the capabilities of a top-five season, and Breeze very well could be right behind him there. And number three, I have Tom Brady just for the fact that I'm curious to see how this offense operates. I, I think that defense is going to be sneaky good this year. I think statistically they showed that. I think they're an up-and-coming young defense, and they're going to really hammer some people and shock some people. They had one of the best run rush defenses in the league, and again, I think their pass defense is, is quietly getting better. So I have him at three just for the fact that, um, statistically speaking, I, I think – he won't come anywhere near what Winston was doing, nor, nor will they have to. I think he'll be right there on a fringe, uh, low in QB1 level. Um, that I mean, that's where he was last year. He was QB12. I, I think he'll be right there on that QB1 level. My projection for him puts him at approximately... Uh, my projection for him puts him at approximately 4,500 pass yards, 30 touchdowns, uh, about... 10, 10 interceptions, maybe 11 interceptions, or I'll have to dig into the numbers just a hair. But, you know, lower than Ryan, lower than Breeze, still should have some good touchdown numbers, but I think that defense will help them out more than people realize. And then last but not least, as you touched on Teddy Bridgewater uh, as well, I just don't know where uh, Teddy Teddy was a QB. I don't have the points per game. Point is, that offense runs through CMC, a lot of dink and dunk. Teddy's only going to score off of off of hoping to get some long balls or some yards after the catch passes that go into the end zone. So I just don't see much for Teddy Bridgewater there. Numbers for him are looking at you know four, just over 4,000 pass yards, just over 20 touchdowns. Interception-wise, he had a 9-to-2 ratio in the five games that he did play. Uh, five games that he started, he had a 90 to ratio, but at the same time, I, I don't, that that's not sustainable at all. The only thing going for them is maybe more of a negative game script, but at the same time, I have him at the bottom of the barrel between these guys, and I, I just don't see much outside of a super flex where you're hoping for upside on the rushing, maybe. Uh, he could look at a small share of having to scramble, get out of the pocket, make things happen. You might be looking at a couple hundred yards rushing there at most, but at the same time, as I said, maybe a good... QB two option for a super flex or two QB with uh, some decent upside, but against this other group of guys, I don't think he's anywhere close. Yeah. I mean, for me, I'm very similar to you, except I flip flop Matt Ryan and Drew Brees, but like you said, that, you, you really yes, could close. flip it either way uh, for Drew Brees. Obviously he's a year to year investment, Matt Ryan, a bit more long-term to it. Um, but uh, New Orleans, yeah, besides last year where he missed those five games, Breeze has been a top 10 QB for 15 straight years <laughs> it, from a fantasy perspective. So like you said, he's going to go down all time, but from a purely fantasy perspective, he was a top five, eight times and top three, six times. So he he throws about it, it's his completion percentage, his touchdowns, his accuracy, his production premium is incredible. It is so sexy to watch Drew Brees play football. That is, and that, <laughs> and I'm an Eagles fan, and I I hate the Saints and everything. I love Carson Wentz, but you can't 
not love watching Drew Brees and what he does with the football and how he plays. His weapons got better this year. We've talked about Emmanuel Sanders a few times. That's a wide receiver, too, that he hasn't had in a number of years. A full season of healthy Alvin Kamara, Michael Thomas back again. Um, you just He's got so many weapons to throw to. And to speak to the premiums that he has the last two seasons, they ranked 16th and 29th in pass plays per game, yet somehow Michael Thomas... Alvin Kamara and Drew Brees always top 10 in at their positions um, for fantasy because of the premium that they bring. They just make smart plays. They make good plays and they make fantasy relevant plays. So I have Drew Brees up there for that reason. Atlanta's mm-hmm. right there and Atlanta's there purely for the amount that they throw the damn football. The last two seasons, <laughs> they've averaged over 40 plus pass plays per game. Number one last year in the league, number five in 2018. The amount that Matt Ryan throws the ball and the age that he's at, I'm surprised he hasn't had any issues. He throws the ball a ton, and it's not short yardage always. Like some of those throws to Julio, 30, 20, 30, 40 yards down the field, it takes a cannon of an arm, but he's got weapons this year. He's got some really more, I think he's got more effective weapons this year, minus the loss of Hooper, but I think Todd Gurley can kind of recoup that loss of Hooper a little bit. But you got Jones again, you got Calvin Ridley, Russell Gage, who started to appear at the end and show some a little bit of an emergence, a capability to be uh, a good wide receiver three, an honest wide receiver three. You got Hayden Hurst, you got Todd Gurley, and nothing to take away from a guy like Ido Smith. He's a very capable RB2, but like RB2 on the team, not from fantasy perspective, but he's just not that good. He's not somebody you're going to want to buy, but he's a good handcuff to Todd Gurley in case those knees give. But Matt Ryan last year was top five in attempts, air yards, pass yards, touchdowns, basically any relevant fantasy stat category that you want. Matt Ryan was in the top five of, and he will be again this year. And I don't see that changing any time over the next couple seasons. So he's definitely a good one to own. If you want a slightly more long-term one than Drew Brees, but Drew Brees is a good one to own year to year, even if this year is his last Tom Brady, we just keep getting older, I guess. Uh, Brady, he's always struck me as a good quarterback, but just not a good fantasy quarterback. That's just how it is for me. You look at his last five years, QB 12, QB 14, QB, and that most recently to the oldest, QB 3, QB 17, QB 2. So he's had a couple very relevant years. That QB 3 year was the year that they won the Super Bowl and stuff, and we saw that offense and how it played. He arguably has the best weapons of his career from a receiving perspective, I think. But, I mean, last year he struggled majorly with his completion percentage. You alluded to his his th- his, uh, his interceptable throws and his off-throwing. Um, he, needs that, he needs to clean that up, especially in a volume-based offense. It's going to go down in volume. And I spoke to it before. He's never in his career had three 1,000-yard uh, reception weapons. The majority have been one wide receiver, one tight end. So it's very difficult. Like I, like you guys have both kind of alluded to, it's very interesting to see what they're actually, what this offense is going to look like, how they're going to use it, who's going to be used, and the fact that you kind of touched on it, Drake, how good that defense is going to be and how they're not going to have to throw the ball as much, which mm-hmm. hurts from a fantasy perspective. You want, like, some people will argue with you, oh, well, that guy's not that accurate. 
I don't mind like a Dwayne Haskins. I talked, we talked about Dwayne Haskins, me and Jim a while ago. Dwayne Haskins has every ability to become like a Jameis Winston, throwing the ball just down the field over and over and over again. He'll throw the same amount of touchdowns as he throws picks in a game, but he is in a, he will be an amazing fantasy asset. I think in a couple of years, um, but for me, Brady always struck me as just that better quarterback, real-life quarterback, but just not a fantasy quarterback. And yeah. the game script isn't playing in his favor this year, I don't think. Carolina is fourth again. It seems to be the way it goes after the uh, after CMC here. But the division's so solid at, at quarterback and fantasy-relevant quarterbacks that Bridgewater just kind of gets washed away. Um, last year in the six games that he played or that he had to cover off um, for Drew Brees, he uh, he was a QB 10 or better in only two of those games. He was 16th or worse in four of them. So that's the thing that made that stands out to me. He's just not huge from a fantasy perspective. He, he I think he relies more on the weapons that he has around him. And we kind of alluded, we've talked a lot about more. We've talked a lot about CMC and the potential that comes from yards after the catch. Um after six weeks of starting, he ended up being the QB 20. That that was it. Wow. So Teddy Bridgewater, I don't see him as an overly relevant fantasy quarterback. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, in uh, one of our leagues that I think I'm in with Jim, I, I have him. It's a best ball league, and I, I didn't realize the quarterbacks were going to run like they did, <laughs> and I got stuck with Teddy Bridgewater and no backup plan. So, um, yeah, and also... <laughs> For me, Teddy Bridgewater, it's a tanking team. Don't invest in the quarterback. This team is clearly tanking. Them and the Jags, who's going to tank better, I think, this year? And then, like you said, at the top of next year's draft class, Drake, you got Trey Lance, insane athlete. You got Mm -hmm. Trevor Lawrence, ridiculous athlete. You got Justin Fields, ridiculous athlete, ridiculous player, all incredible mobile quarterbacks as well those are the fantasy quarterbacks you want so i just don't see the reason to invest in teddy bridgewater unless you make a mistake in a best ball league where it's just a redraft so you can do it over again next year and that's basically what happened with me for bridgewater but uh yeah that's how i would rate the quarterbacks well uh, and just to touch on that so some fun facts um I i wanted to give to you uh amongst these teams if you both of you can guess. Put them in order for me. Who allowed the most sacks in the NFC, NFC South per team? Who allowed the most sacks? So, um, who? Just take a stab. Which team allowed the most sacks? And oh, on Carolina, hundred percent Carolina. Okay, then uh, who's next? Oh man, it, it has oh, to be Tam- Tampa Bay. No, it's got to be Tampa because Brady wanted to go somewhere where you had weapons and they were going to protect them. So I'm assuming that Tampa Bay wasn't a very safe environment before. Okay. And then I got it. I got it. Uh, I got Atlanta and then New Orleans. I think okay. New Orleans yeah. was the best protected. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> New Orleans easily the best protected. Um, y- you were you were very very close there, almost dead on. Most sacks allowed in the uh, NFL for a single QB was Russell Wilson and Matt Ryan and Kyler Murray tied with 48. Next. Uh, Jameis Winston, Tampa Bay with 47, followed by Kyle Allen out of Carolina with 46. Now, here's here's what's fun, though. Kyle Allen was sacked 46 times. Greer was sacked another six times. So they were sacked for 52 times. What's also interesting, if you look in the draft, the first four rounds, Panthers did not address 
their offensive line in the first mm-hmm. – um, let me see. Where was it? Did they? No, I they didn't. They went, Derek, they went Derek Brown, uh, Gross Matos, Chin, and Troy Pride Jr. So they didn't even address the offensive line, and they uh, allowed almost the most sacks in the league. Whereas the flip side, Buccaneers went and got Tristan Wirfs out of Iowa at 13, which was an absolute steal. The Arguably the best offensive tackle in that draft. So I see some improvement there. But then again, Matt Ryan, 48 sacks. And they did get Hennessy, the center out of Temple, in the third round. But they went cornerback, defensive tackle, and Terrell. I said CJ earlier, but it was actually A.J. Terrell. I'm sorry. Uh, I was thinking someone else. But A.J. Terrell there, they got him at 16, which was uh, very much a reach. And then Marlon Davidson out of Auburn, which was a solid pick. But again, they got a center in Hennessy in the third round. So, but where else was that? He got hit 48 times and then Schaub. That's what I want to see. Schaub got hit another two times in the game that he started. So 50 sacks for them. So this division does not have, outside of Breeze, does not have great uh, offensive lines. Let's hope Panthers or uh, Buccaneers, for their sake, improves theirs. And then as for the other two, yeah. Bridgewater very well could get hit a lot. He had a great offensive line with the Saints and um, had time to throw, whereas with the Panthers, he may not. And then Matt Ryan, he'll continue doing Matt Ryan things, throwing up good numbers, but he did get hit a whole bunch. And the whole point of bringing that up was just how you touched on how does he keep doing what he's doing at age, what, 35 now? And he's Mm. still throwing the ball 650 times a year on average and uh, getting hit that often. So, yeah, they need to hurry it up before he keeps getting older and gets hit harder. So. 100%. 100%. Yep. Wow, I can't believe I was terrible at that. Uh, <laughs> that guessing on that. Yeah, I'm like, ah, <laughs> fuck. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. That is brutal. And so, Jesus. <laughs> what? What? Did you oh, have Teddy Bridgewater at the top of your quarterbacks? Yeah, is that what I we're going to say know. now? <laughs> he did. He had Thomas oh, too. I, He's got Teddy at de- one going I, I def- three, five touchdowns. Okay. Hey, man. Easy there. I definitely don't, I definitely <laughs> don't have that. No, 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 I, got, no. I, got, I got Drew Brees as my, as my quarterback one. Um, it is because his familiarity with the team, uh, he can throw it on a rope. Uh, like I said, his, his deep ball accuracy is – is uh unbelievable he is a year-to-year commodity as as connor touched upon but again if you're in a win now mode drew breeze is is definitely the one to go uh, my number two was matt ryan um and that has everything to do with with his uh wide receivers his easy uh not easy sorry but um the amount of games he plays in domes has a lot to do with with my with my rating of two instead of a three, and uh, that that could just be me. But then my three is Brady, and I'm interested now to see how much of it was a Bill Belichick scheme, or how much of it is Tom Brady's talent when it comes to the Bucks. Like I'm not saying that he isn't talented. I'm just saying uh, a lot of people seem to ignore the genius that is Bill Belichick and seem to place a lot of a lot of onus on the player and not the not the scheme. And then uh, rounding it off is Teddy Two Gloves. <laughs> Can't believe you guys thought I'd have him at number one. <laughs> um, but like I said, I don't think that. I know, I know. <laughs> the new head coach, the new the new QB. Uh, I do think he is just a stopgap. It could be uh, a tank for Trevor. 
type situation. Is like Connor said again, like that is not a team that looks like they're going to be doing anything but but tanking for a high draft pick. So that that's just me. I have them have them like that. But I wouldn't argue anybody putting Matt Ryan at, at number one mm-hmm. in this division. Like, got dude throws a lot, man, and he has the best wide receiver in the league. And like I said, the the dome. I put a lot of stock into the dome games, man. Like I mm-hmm. get, I'm, I'm one that that does. I don't see a lot of people doing it, but like, it's an advantage, and um, it's an advantage I'll take, especially when a, a quarterback in that range, right, where where Matt Ryan seems to be going in drafts. Uh, yeah, I'll I'll take the dome quarterback. That's that's just me. So yeah, that's that's 100%. that's all I have. I don't really have a lot more to add because you guys really crushed stats and and every other every other point I would have made but uh yeah so that that's how I have them rounding it out was uh one two three four like that the the Panthers so to to finish it off though do you have totals there Drake for if you added up all the all the points you've given the positions Oh gosh, um, I can do that really quick. One second here. I'll, I'll I, give I'll give mine while you go. And you count, go first because I yeah, I yeah. have to change my I have to change my wide receivers. <laughs> no yeah. Problem. So for for me, I had New Orleans, New Orleans and Atlanta were both tied at eight. So if you're gonna invest in any team from a fantasy perspective, it's got to be New Orleans or Atlanta. You can't go wrong with either or the weapons there from from running back, tight end, wide receiver, quarterbacks. Maybe not so much tight end, but all those positions, the, the skill is just incredible. Um, I got Tampa Bay at 11, um, and Carolina's at 13, mostly for the fact that if it's not DJ Moore, it's not CMC, just stay away. It's no point. My my uh, my best ball team's crying with Teddy Bridgewater <laughs> at quarterback. So just stay away from these the from Carolina if you can. If it's not those two, and Tampa Bay's at eleven because they got the wide receivers, they got the tight ends, the running back, and the quarterback position are big question marks for me. Yeah, I could. I like that. Um, I got them ranked a little bit different. Uh, the Falcons, I, I have bang on with you there with an eight. Uh, my Ian Thomas. Ranking pushed the Panthers <laughs> up into nine. <laughs> with a, yeah, so the, the Panthers actually squeezed out the Saints with uh with a nine there because of the because of the tight end because of the tight end ranking. But then I got the Saints at ten. Eight hey, man, I get it. I get it. It's a concentrated <laughs> concentrated <laughs> offense. But uh, like I said, the the tight end position is so terrible that if I ranked them correctly, which I think I did. The Panthers will be the number two option for tight ends in that division. Uh, (laughs) Then I I got the Saints with a 10. Like, it's really close. Like I said, it's the Falcons with eight, Panthers with nine, and the Saints at 10. Mm -hmm. Then uh, the Bucks, the Bucks are sitting at at 12 because it's really for me, it's anything outside of the wide receivers. Then I I don't really care to to own any any Buck. Mm -hmm. I don't don't want to make the dart throw with the running back and even to touch back on the running back where Connor said he thinks Keyshawn Vaughn is the, and we were talked about off air, how we don't really like to label. They got the Tampa Bay James. I actually think that's Daria Gumbawale and I'm treating the running backs. And I didn't say this earlier is I'm treating the running backs in Tampa Bay the same way that I used to treat. And a lot of people treated running backs in, in uh, new England. And it's just grab the cheapest one. 
And that usually was James White, and he usually was the best option that you could have walked away with anyway. So I'm going. I go with Daria Gumbawale. He can catch. He has familiarity with the system, and more importantly, he can pass protect. And I think that's what's actually going to let him see the field more because uh, you got to keep that investment, that two-year investment in the quarterback that they paid for, upright and healthy. So that's where I think he has the advantage over Keyshawn Vaughn. But that's just. Uh, Drake, how do you have him? Yeah, no, that, that's perfectly fair. I, um, Tampa, well, I'll get to it. Atlanta's number one for me. I have them in set with seven total. That's because I had Matt Ryan at one. I had, I moved my Falcons up to one again. I, I that was just, I was trying to cover myself without reading it, but I, I, there's no reason I shouldn't based on where I have Ridley and where Julio constantly finishes. So had them at one, Hurst at two. So I had them at seven total. I have New Orleans and Tampa both tied at 10. And the reason that Tampa is jumping up and at least tied with New Orleans is because my Gronk love, uh, Gronk Howard love. Um, mm. It's going to be interesting to see how all those shares work out. But yeah, shares outside of, for receiving out of Vaughn Jones, Evans Godwin, Tyler Johnson, even Gronk and Howard. Uh, we're looking at 4% of the 569 potential passes going to um other players. So again, I think that I, I just think the the red zone work, what Gronk can do, what Howard hopefully does, I, I just think that puts them in a very good position from a tight end standpoint, at least for this division. So like I said, they stayed up there with New Orleans at, at 10 and then Carolina bottom of the barrel at 13 out, at, you know, outside of DJ Moore and CMC, there's just, there's nothing there. there there's nothing there from a fantasy perspective that you would seemingly love. Yeah. Yeah, that's 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 definitely fair. Like this division seems uh it, it is controversial pretty much. Like no, I guess not really controversial, not really the word. It's uh it's debatable and it you can't really fault anybody, I guess, except for me, uh ranking the Panthers higher in the tight end position for having any real position group ranked how they are in this in this division, which is really crazy because like when I was even looking at it, like you could potentially have six out of the top 12 wide receivers coming out of this division uh, in, in 2020, which is absolutely insane. It's nuts. And, and DJ, uh, Moore's, DJ Moore's at the bottom of them. <laughs> yeah. And, DJ, <laughs> and, crazy. and you could have two potential top five running backs coming out of this division. I get it. That That's is right. nuts. But you can you can have two top five running backs and six top 12 run, uh, wide receivers. Mm-hmm. Six top 12 and, wide uh, Six. That's scary. Yeah. You can have half of it in one division. <laughs> That's what's crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so just with that, touching on it. But uh, so I've definitely enjoyed you having coming on. Uh, we're definitely going to have to have you come back on again. If you That'd just want to awesome. tell the people um, where they can find you again and recap it. Yeah, yeah. Any so, other projects again. Yeah, so what I want to do is uh, first off, I, I, I want to give a thanks to. Um, Follow, follow him on Twitter at King Fantasy Sports at K Fantasy underscore Sports. I am not a guru when it comes to creating projections myself. I, I, I'm, I'm good at manipulating the projections to put them where I see fit for players based on uh, trends, uh, history trends, coaching trends, whatever that may be. But in terms of actually setting, setting up the projections, King Fantasy Sports at K Fantasy underscore Sports, he uh, allowed me to use projections that he uh, created and then I. Uh, manipulated them how I saw fit for, 
you know, for these conversations and for my future projections, which will be out here before season, probably will change a lot. But I want to thank him off. Thank him first there. For me, as I told you all before, Hear Me Out is my brand that I have started. Hear Me Out FB is where you can find it on Twitter. HearMeOutFB.com is where you can find it online. You'll see my first article. It's already been dropped as of last week, Art of the Trade. That is a series I have about trading, and it's not like trading 101 that you see online. If you looked up how to trade in fantasy football, that you will not, at least to my knowledge, you will not find a deep dive into how to properly trade. You'll, you'll see 101 basics on you know, player strengths, player weaknesses, team strengths, team weaknesses, things like that. But I'm going much deeper into a psychological standpoint about how you need to initiate conversations, how conversations come to you and how you need to handle those. It, it's, it's almost, it's almost like a sale. It, it involves sales tactics. It involves, you know, that, that's my career sales and not like a, not like a sleazy sales guy. I, I like to be very genuine in mine. And Jim can attest to that, at least in the league we're in, um, where I traded CMC help me please if that doesn't work out but uh but my point is is that i i have a lot of exciting things coming on with hear me out fb uh podcast will be dropping soon i have some very big names that uh once i get them i have verbals from 11 people a couple of the guests that i have one has about two hundred sixty thousand followers the other uh, another one has about seventy thousand, and another and then i have seven of my uh dozen or so guests that um, have a very large reach as well. And, and I, I, the whole point of that is I'm, I'm not bragging. I'm just thankful that they even gave me an opportunity to talk to them and to interview them. I, I, I just so thankful, so fortunate. So excited to get that rolling out soon. But hearmeoutfb.com, at hearmeoutfb on Twitter. Find me there and would love to talk with you all. Projections, trades, anything and everything, Dynasty, PPR, Redraft, you name it, and I'm here for it. So Again, I, thank y'all so much for having me. This was a blast, and I appreciate it very much. Yeah, man, no problem. I, I definitely enjoyed it. Uh, yeah, you've been grinding hard, and I'll definitely, I'll definitely attest to that. I've not, I have not seen anybody come out as hard and as fast and put in as much effort as I have seen you do in the last wow. like two and a half weeks. It's been. Wow! Unbelievable what I what I've been seeing you do. Uh, Thanks so I'm, much, man. That de- that means a lot. Yeah, man. I'm definitely gonna we're gonna talk off air about those projections. I want to talk to you about it. Um, okay. For sure. Yeah. No. And hey, then, last uh, thing. Last thing, real quick. I'm sorry. I, I forgot. It's the most important thing for me right now. It, it it's my it's my shirts and and, and I, I was rocking it today and we're we're not on video here but. Uh, I have created a shirt you can find on my website, hearmeoutfb.com slash shop. It is a play on Anchorman uh, when they're all jumping in the air, uh, doing that, doing that, um, the, their, their congratulatory jump uh, in, in the scene. You both have seen Anchorman, haven't you? Yep. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yep, yep, yep. <laughs> that's right. Yep. Buy new suits, uh, the scene where they all jump. Uh, my shirt has a play on that. It's actually Tampa Bay Buccaneers. It's got basically new look new look new players on teams and it's a silhouette of them jumping and it's got their jersey numbers on them so you'll see a uh, go to that hearmeout.com hearmeoutfb.com slash shop you'll see that shirt there it is 25 dollars a shirt but uh, i am donating a portion of those proceeds to fantasy cares and sfbx uh, thanks to scott fish and and, and all that he does with Fantasy Cares, I wanted to give back to that as well. So a portion of proceeds will go back to Fantasy Cares, and uh, I'm excited to get that rolling. So check that out. Start buying those, and anything else I have goes right back into Hear Me Out and promoting the brand and m- making it as um, as successful as possible. 